The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and fans, it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want even more action? Then get in on the experience, the thrill of the DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10, at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team ends up losing. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that promo code AOD to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code AOD only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply if you or someone you know has a gambling problem. Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 877-HOPE-NY in New York. OPGR.org in Oregon. Call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532 to 3,500 in Virginia. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. Now, I know it may feel like I say the following statement on every Monday edition of the podcast, but sincerely, tennis fans, it is another jam-packed week of action across levels in the pro tennis world. Of course, here on this show, we'll try our best to monitor all of the tour-level play, and that's going to be difficult enough as there are five tour-level events happening this week, of course the women competing on the indoor hard courts of Estonia as well as outdoor on the red clay courts of Parma. That's right, folks. Late September, yet we're mixing in another event on the dirt. You gotta love that variety. As a tennis fan, of course, on the men's side, you should be guaranteed action happening about 24-7 throughout the course of this week, whether it be the ATP event happening in Seoul, Korea, the ATP event happening in Sofia, Bulgaria, or I don't want to say the inaugural event, but the return of ATP tennis to Israel. There's going to be an ATP 250 in Tel Aviv over the next week, of course. You've also got four ATP challengers as well as the countless ITF events that happen on any given week across the globe. It's another fun time on the calendar to be a fan of the professional tennis world. And again, here on this show, what are we going to try and do? Make sense of all the action happening each and every day for you listeners. Not only will I do my best to offer my picks, try and find some winners across the plethora of action that occurs on any given day. Clearly, I think the word of this show is plethora. I might use the word plethora four, five times per GSP Ace of the Day segment. I apologize for repeating myself, but there truly is a plethora of action that happens day in, day out, week in, week out across levels in the pro tennis world. Again, what I try to do on this show for any of you new listeners is not only offer my picks for what I think is going to happen on any given day, but I also do 
my best to try and tell you which matches you need to watch as a tennis fan to feel most informed, particularly early in the week when we're going to have 30, 40 singles matches, maybe more per day. You're not going to be able to watch all 30, not going to be able to watch all 40, even if watching tennis is your full-time job like it is for us here at Cracked Rackets. But, you know, highlights of four, five, six matches throughout the course of the day, maybe locking in on one or two of them from start to finish, that feels like pretty feasible for any tennis fan, regardless of what else you've got going on in your life. So again, the purpose of these Ace of the Day segments, not only to offer you some picks via our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook, but of course to preview each and every day's play across levels in the pro tennis world. With that said, as we turn the page towards the next 24 hours of action. It is hard to say, all right, I'm going with this one for sure, because again, there are a lot of opportunities on the board over the next 24 hours, whether it be individual money lines, whether it be game spreads, over-unders. I'm looking at my board of picks. I'm pretty sure I have all but like three matches on Monday night, Tuesday morning, depending on where you are and what region of the globe you are in will depend on when those matches are occurring. I swear to God, I have 75% of the next 24 hours of matches going over two and a half sets, going the distance as there's going to be no best of five play, I suppose, this week. So, yeah. I'm expecting a tight day of action across the globe as such. I do think there are a lot of opportunities, whether it be a couple of underdogs. I have my eyes on certainly a plethora of overs. There's that plethora word again. Of course, I've got some game spread options that I'm looking at closely. And then on a day where there is 30 plus match or there are, excuse me, I'm going to get grammar right as well as learn how to speak English eventually on the show. But on a day when there are 30 plus matches happening around the globe, you know, there are going to be a couple of opportunities, whether it be for a game spread parlay, a money line parlay. I did my best to get creative, come up with as many options as possible for all of you tennis fans, all of you listeners. And again, on this show, I want to convey all of those options to all of you. Talk again about the matches I will be watching most closely as well as offer my picks to all of you tennis fans with that in mind I've got three aces of the day for the next 24 hours and we're going to reset things on this segment as we look towards the next week our final record for last week's action we ultimately end up six and five up 1.3 oh excuse me up 1.81 units overall for the week we gave a little bit back on yesterday's show unfortunately Yuri Lachetchka falls short, meaning our three-person money line parlay ultimately fails. That said, you know, again, I'm going to include Sunday's action in last week's total because that's what our friends at DraftKings have asked me to do. And from this point forward, we will reset and start over zero and zero on the week. Zero, zero, and zero technically as you got to account for the ties, but plus 0.00 units overall. From here, we reset. We approach things as a new week with that in mind. Again, what I want to do on today's show offer you my three aces of the day preview the next 24 hours in the professional tennis world with that said via our friends at DraftKings who we thank for the support and the resources that allow us to provide these daily preview podcasts to all of you tennis fans with that in mind let's get into it here are my aces of the day for the next 24 hours as well as the matches I will be watching most closely let's start with the simplest of the aces first because things are going to get complicated today, folks. Let's start with a single match game spread. 
I know he's my birthday brother, or very close to it, and sometimes I get a bit biased when it comes to things like that. Or not biased, but I suppose my judgment can occasionally be clouded in an instance like this. But I really like Botik van de To get his week started properly in Tel Aviv, you look for BVDZ, who is going to turn 27 years old in about a week from now. I know that because I turned 27 years old. In about a week from now, Botik two days older than yours. Truly, that is completely irrelevant to why I think Botik is going to have success tomorrow. The reason I think he will is he's taken on Jao Sosa. And with all due respect to Sosa, 33 years old, currently sitting at number 61 in the rankings. He is one of the 10 oldest players currently sitting inside the top 100 of the ATP singles rankings. That's a credit to the success he has had not only this year, but of course, over the last 52 weeks, just the tenacity, his willingness to get after it from a match count perspective. You look over the course of the past year, Jao Sosa, 38 and 36 overall. Now he's 23 and 29 here in this 2022 season and, you know, really has his ranking on the back of two significant runs. He reached the final in Geneva on the clay courts back in the middle of May. He also won the title Pune, India to start the year in January. Outside of those two runs, things have been struggling for Zhao Sosa overall this year. You look for him 7-12 and 12 in first matches of events this season. So whether that be the first round, the round of 32, although he's only typically seated when he ducks down a level and goes and plays the ATP Challenger events and thinks, I, in fact, I think he's only had one bye throughout the course of this 2022 season. But you look for Sosa perhaps most nerve-wrackingly if you are a fan of his. He's lost seven of his last nine first-round matches. So I mentioned that 7-12 and 12 overall record here in 2022 in first matches since the start of June. He's 2-7. and seven overall in first matches and you know again you look for him last week was a six and two loss in the first round in the indoor conditions of France to Stan Wawrinka was a first round loss to him to Laszlo Jura first round of Winston-Salem now he did get a win at the U.S. Open an impressive one in four sets over Mackie McDonald but you know other than that run, he really hasn't had an impressive hard court result since, again, his run to the title in India to start the 2022 season. And, you know, you look for Sosa, uh, again, 23 and 29 overall on the year. You look for him against the highest level of competition, against top 50 opponents. He's 3 and 7 this year. And you date, the, and you take that against top 50 opponent record to the start of last season since the start of 2021. Joe Sosa 3-11 overall against top 50 players. You want to narrow that to hard court specifically. Uh, Sosa has yet to win a match against a top 50 opponent on hard courts this year. And in fact, his last top 50 win against a hard court, uh, on a hard court against a top 50 opponent came all the way back in September 2019. Hasn't beaten a top 50 player on hard courts since before the COVID pandemic era of the ATP tour began. And, you know, for all those reasons, that's why I like Botic to knock out Sosa tomorrow in Tel Aviv. You look for Van de Senschkulp, you know, semifinals of Winston-Salem during this North American hardcourt summer, wins a match in Cincinnati, wins a match in Canada as well. Really tough three-set loss for him at the City Open to Francis Tiafo, but certainly that Tiafo loss, one could argue, has aged well given the success of Tiafo over the course of the past two.
two months. But again, you look for Botic here in the 2022 season, 35 and 23. Not exactly something you post on the fridge at your parents' house, but you're winning 60% of your matches. You're sustaining yourself wherever you may be in the rankings. And for Botic, obviously, to sustain himself as a top, not only top 50 player, but really to sustain himself as a top 40 player for the duration of the season, you know, that means you get to play all the main draws at the Masters events. Obviously, you get into the main draws of all the slams. In some instances, you're seated and you look for Botic. He was seated at Wimbledon. He was seated at the US Open. He was seated at Roland Garros. He was also uh, he was not seated in Australia, but seated at three out of the four majors at you know age 26, soon to be 27 years old. When you are ostensibly in the prime of your career, I think if you ask Botik van der Sinschkop, did you have a good season? I don't think he'd say yeah. I had a you know he wouldn't say I had a great season, but he would say yeah. I had a very good season. I sustained myself, prove I belong in the ATP Top 50. Of course, just the one final for Botic earlier this year in Munich where he was knocked out by Holger Runa. But the 35 victories he has earned this season, a career high for Botic at the tour level. And, you know, you look for Botic... I think more than anything, after a disappointing U.S. Open that saw him lose in four sets to Quarantine Mute, he had a really good run at Davis Cup, beating Taylor Fritz, Cam Norrie, Sasha Bublik, each uh, or two of the three wins coming in straight sets. You know, yes, I believe Tel Aviv will be outdoors. Those Davis Cup matches were certainly indoors, but outdoor hard court. You know, that's always been a surface Botic has thrived on throughout the course of his career. And again, you look for Botic this season against opponents ranked outside the top 50. He is a rock solid 20 and 10 overall on the year. Uh, you want to narrow that to hard court specifically 10 and 5. Uh, so winning two thirds of his matches against opponents ranked outside the top 50. And again, big picture as we look at the matchup, because statistically, not only does the ranking lean towards Botic, uh, you look between the two of them, just hold percentage, break percentage-wise, Botic hold uh, breaking serve 24.9% of the time. That's better than the 21.9% for Sosa, perhaps even more notably. Botic holding 78.4% of the time, which is below the average number of a top 50 player, and yet that's still better. Then Sosa, who's at 76.8% for the season in tour-level matches. The point is, mathematically, rankings-wise, recent results-wise, every indication would point to Botic van de Sinschkulp. Uh, every indicator would point to Botic van de Sinschkulp in this match. And by the way, I don't know how surprising that is, considering Botic's a minus 350 money line favorite in this match. And you look, according to our friends at Tennis Abstract, Botic also a significant favorite, 83.2% to advance over Sosa. Now, I feel like I made a very similar argument yesterday when referring to Yuri Lehechka, but simply put, I just feel more confident in the baseline level, no pun intended, of the floor of Botik van der Sinschkulp match-in, match-out, certainly than I did about Yuri Lehechka. And as I look at this matchup, you know, what does Sosa do particularly well? Well, it's aggressiveness with his feet on the ad side of the court, in particular his ability to spread the court with the inside-out, inside-out, inside-in, forehand combination. You know, that's been the moneymaker for Sosa, and it's been particularly effective on clay courts throughout the course of his career. But as we saw in India earlier this season, you give him a slow, high-bouncing, you know, hard-court with you know, difficult conditions, he can thrive there. And we don't really know what the conditions are in Tel Aviv because it's been that long since we've had an ATP event held there. That said, 
I think Botic's backhand is particularly well suited to take that inside out forehand away from Sosa. I think, you know, again, does Sosa have the sort of serve that's going to give Botic that much trouble throughout the course of this match? No, I think Botic's going to be able to take away that first forehand from Sosa with the depth and by mixing up spots on his return of serve. And then, you know, again, whether it be the slice, whether it be the drop shots, his willingness to move forward, I just think Sosa is going to prevent, uh, excuse me, Botic is going to prevent Sosa from finding that rhythm. So I'm backing Botic van de Again, it's a tough day of matches. A lot of parity in these first rounders. You're going to see a lot of evens or, you know, minus 130 money lines where you better be damn certain you're going to pick the favorite in that instance. Otherwise, to be honest, I think there are a lot of underdogs if you're going to take the money line route that you should be backing over the course of the next 24 hours. But we're going to avoid the money line. We're not going to go with the minus 350. We're going to take Botic not only to win, but to win comfortably as well. Again, Sosa, you look overall for him against top 50 opponents over the past two years, three and 11. We're really going to double down on that number. We're going to double down on the fact that for his career, Joe Sosa, 40 and 71 against top 50 opponents. Again, he's lost his last six, hasn't beaten a top 50 opponent on a hard court since September 2019. We're going to pick that streak to continue. We're going to take Botic not only to win, but to cover the minus three and a half games as well. Yeah, the Sosa forehand might be the single biggest weapon in the court, on the court, excuse me, but not by much. And certainly it's not the most reliable weapon on the court. That would just be you know, the physicality, the variety of Botic van de I think he's going to be dictating, forcing Sosa to have to hit from all sorts of uncomfortable positions on the court. And Again, when Sosa's on script, when he's able to hit that forehand from the outside corner, he's a completely different player. I think what Botic does best, actually, is take away your strength as an opponent. The thing you want to do most, he takes that away from you and says, okay, you can beat me, but you're going to have to beat me with plan B, plan C, plan D. And with all due respect to the 33-year-old Sosa, I don't know what plan B, C, and D are for him at this point of his career on this surface. So for those reasons, I'm backing Botic. I'm backing him to win comfortably in straight sets as well. Give me Van de Senschkulp. Minus three and a half games over Sosa. We're going to take that with the minus 140 money line. Now, again, we're resetting here, uh, resetting things here. So I do want to play it a little bit safe, much as we did yesterday. We're going to take that minus three and a half games, the minus 140 uh, odds. We're just going to put half a unit on it to win 0.35 in return. Better safe than sorry. I feel very good about Botic, but again, mathematically, I still want to see, you know, I'm going to play things safe because I still want to see everyone play and I need to see how the conditions are across events not just in Tel Aviv but still don't have a grasp on all of the conditions at this week's tour level events so tentative with our wager amounts half a unit at that minus 140 line to win 0.35 in return that's ace of the day number one Ace of the day number two, we start to get into the parlays folks and again I'm asking for punishment I know with these next two picks, but let's go with a Nehemiah Zanevska money line parlay in Estonia. And, you know, for both of these players, I think, or excuse me, not in Estonia, for both of them, they're playing, each of them playing their matches uh, in Parma. I knew it, I knew they were both at the same event. Leave it in, Super Producer Daniel Westop, but let's try that again. For ace number two, I'm going with Nehemiah and Zinevska, who I don't know if you heard, are both playing in the same event, and that event happens to be on the red clay of Parma. Now, you know, Julie Nehemiah has become one of my favorite players to follow 
for the home stretch of this 2022 season. Simply put, Nehemiah has been quietly awesome. Over the last six months of tour play, you look for Nehemiah currently sitting at a career high. Number 72 is the now 23-year-old. She's 35 and 19 overall in the season. And just listen to these results since the end of April. She wins a 60K in Zagreb. She goes from there to make a semifinal at 100K. She qualifies for Roland Garros, then wins 125K on clay. She reaches quarterfinals of Wimbledon, quarterfinals of Lausanne, a round of 16 at the U.S. Open as well. Earn, uh, you know, For her last week lost round of 16, uh, straight sets, tight matchup against 2020 Roland Garros semifinalist tomorrow is at Danzig. But again, you look for Nehemiah. She has asserted herself as a player, t- you know, who's going to be in the mix in the top 100 for the course of the next decade. And, you know, you look for Nehemiah here this season, six and seven against top 100 opponents, but some pretty impressive wins, whether it be beating Jung Chin Wen at the U.S. Open, good win over Putensiva. Round one there as well. She got a big win over Conteve at Wimbledon. Good wins over Claire Liu, Rebecca Peterson, and a Bondar as well. Even her three-set loss to Ika at the U.S. Open kind of showed that she's got weapons that are not to be trifled with regardless of the level of her opponent, her ability to hit that backhand down the line, turn into it comfortably. Boy, you know I'm a backhand connoisseur, and that backhand is special. Certainly she's comfortable, again, leaning into that forehand as well. She's comfortable moving forward, comfortable hitting the overhead out of the air, which you just can't say that about a lot of men's or women's professional players. Like you see them get shaky when that high sky lob goes into the air. They'll either let the ball bounce and play a ground stroke or try and play an off the bounce overhead, not Niemeyer. She's going to take that ball decisively out of the air. And, you know, again, for Niemeyer, who plays this overwhelming power brand of tennis, it does feel like it's worth noting. I mentioned that 35 and 19 record overall. She's 20 and 7 on the clay courts this season. Won a 60K, won 125K, got her Grand Slam momentum started by qualifying at Roland Garros before getting knocked out in a tight three-set match by former Roland Garros finalist Sloane Stevens. I'm telling you, I'm buying stock in the 23-year-old Niemeyer. I just think she has weapons that are for real. And look, she's got a tricky matchup tomorrow as she's going to take on Jasmine Paolini. Certainly Paolini's been sneaky solid Throughout the course of this 2022 season, you look for Paulini, the 26-year-old currently sitting at number 75 in the live ranking. She's 19 and 22 overall on the year, but you look for her clay court specifically made a Warsaw semifinal earlier this season and again has just has lingered, you know, quarterfinals in Lyon, quarterfinals at a couple 125Ks, quarterfinals in Porto Rose. Paulini hasn't been great, but she's been solid throughout the course of this season. That said, if you're asking me ceiling versus ceiling, who's got the higher one? I think it's Nehemiah. If you're asking me eye test, who is playing better right now? I think it's Nehemiah. And if you're asking me from a tactical perspective, who's got the bigger weapons? Who's going to be doing the dictating in this match? especially on the clay courts, I'm going to go with Nehemiah. And the big thing here, look, Nehemiah is not the greatest of movers, but she's not a bad mover. And on the clay courts in particular, she is comfortable sliding into the ball, sliding in and out of corners. And you give her an extra half second to track down the ball, as these clay courts does. Well, she has her feet set. She does display plus, plus power. So give me Nehemiah minus 185 
over Paulini tomorrow. We're going to back the 23-year-old who I think is going to be one of these rising stars to end the 2022 season. And I think she is a legitimate dark horse. Is it still a dark horse if she makes a third consecutive second week at the Slams? Did it at Wimbledon? Did it at the U.S. Open? If she does it in Australia as well, does that count as a dark horse run? Maybe it shouldn't. Maybe it's time to just start thinking about Jewel Niemeyer moving forward. But give me Niemeyer minus 185 tomorrow against Paulini. And let's parlay her with Zanevska. Now, you know, Zanevska is not a player who's ever going to be top 40 in the world. In fact, Marina Zanevska will be lucky if she cracks the top 50 at some point in her career. The recently turned 29-year-old currently sitting at number 95 in the live rankings. Zanevska uh, also 17-17 and 17 overall on the season, but you look for her last week, reaches the semifinals of a 125K in Bucharest, reached a semifinal in Hamburg uh, a couple of weeks ago, also semifinal at a 125K in France on the clay courts earlier in May. Clay court tennis has brought out the best tennis for Zanevska this season. I mentioned the 17 and 17 overall. She's 11 and 7 in clay court specific battles. And you look for her against top 100 opponents on the clay courts this year. She's 5 and 4. You know, good wins over Sharif and Sasnovich and Jung Shui, Madison Brangle. Zanevska is the toughest of outs when it comes to clay court tennis. And with all due respect, you know, she's going to take on Lucia Bronzetti tomorrow. And you know, she beat Bronzetti 6-1-6 love when the two of them faced off in Bucharest a couple of weeks ago. And I am the first person to say how difficult it is to beat someone twice within the same month, how difficult it is to beat someone twice in the same month, particularly when you beat that player so badly they won only one game in the previous encounter. But unless you have a weapon, you're just not beating Zanevska, who I like to refer to as UNC All-American McKenna Jones 1.25, just so solid off of both wings, such a comfortable mover. Yeah, the serve's not big, but she hits her spots well. She puts a million returns back in play, and she's just fluid, moving in and out of the corners, and I think you got to do something special to knock off Zanevska, and with all due respect to the soon-to-be 24, Lucia Bronzetti, who has the exact same birthday I see now. The reason I always talk about birthdays, by the way, is because when you go to Tennis Abstract, a player's birthday is just smack dab in front of you every time you pick on their click on their name so click on a player's name enough times you're like okay I've got your birthday down now Lucia Bronzetti born December 10th as is my older brother Eric don't love that sign from the tennis gods here that means perhaps Bronzetti pulls up the upset and screws up our parlay but let's go with a little Niemeyer Zanevska parlay again I test wise I've seen a lot of these players over the course of the past two months I think Zanevska is just playing more solid tennis than Bronzetti, and I think the weapons of Jewel Niemeyer allow her to dictate throughout the course of her match against Jasmine Paolini. So give me a Niemeyer-Zanevska money line parlay. You throw them together, plus 142. We're throwing a quarter of a unit on that to win 0.35 in return. Again, we're playing things safe as we're getting a feel for the week as we still have to reset things heading towards this next week on the pro tennis calendar. But Niemeyer, Zanevska, Moneyline Parlay, plus 142, 0.25 units to win 0.35 in return. That sounds like a winner. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Last, but certainly not least, how about a little three-person money line parlay? Let's go with Lorenzo Seneco, winner last week in France. Minus 300 is he as he takes on Bernabe Zapata Morales. Look, indoor hardcourt tennis. I just can't take Zapata Morales over Sinego. I know there's the title hangover. I know the fact that, you know, for Sinego, he had to travel countries just to get to this next site here in Sofia, in Bulgaria. But A, the the trip from France to Bulgaria is not, or is it Bulgaria or Belgium? Where are they in this week? I think they're in Sofia, right? Is Sofia in Bulgaria? It is. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to Alex. You can st- or shout out to uh, Alex. Shout out to me. Sorry for referring to myself in third person. Shout out to me for remembering my geography. So, yes, he has to go from France to Bulgaria. I don't think that's the most brutal of flights. I imagine it would be under three hours. Or maybe he's taking the train. Who knows how Lorenzo Senego rolls. Although, if I just want an ATP 250, no chance I'm taking a train. I'm splurging and buying that plane ticket. I just think the Senego serve into the Zapata Morales forehand on a quicker indoor surface. Good luck for Zapata Morales landing that forehand in the court and not sending it flying. So give me Senego minus 300. Give me the power tennis of Shelby Rogers, who's minus 290 against Bonaventure tomorrow, with all due respect to Bonaventure, who uh, certainly has had uh, some time. There are a run throughout the course of her uh, season is currently back inside the top 150. And I think playing better and better, um, I still roll with, you know, I'm still going to roll, I think, with Shelby Rogers, particularly on the hard courts. You look for Bonaventure, whose career high is number 109. She's currently sitting at 139. You look for her against top 50 opponents in her career. Bonaventure, 6-12 and 12 overall. You uh, want to look even more specifically against top 20 opponents. She's 1-5 overall. And honestly, I think Shelby Rogers on a hard court plays more like a top 20 player than a top 50 player. That said, the last top 50 victory for Bonaventure, 2020 U.S. Open, she knocked out Jung Shui. Again, all due respect, I just think, give me the weapons, the serve, the plus one power of Shelby Rogers, who has been very good down the home stretch, really since the hardcore play started here in 2022. You look for her finals of San Jose, three set loss to Sabalanka in Cincinnati, three set loss to Jabur at the U.S. Open. Jabur made the final of the U.S. Open. Sabalanka was the only player or one of two players? No, I think the only player... To, no, no, one of two players to take a set off Caroline Garcia in Cincy. And then, you know, she loses in three sets to Kasatkina in San Jose. That was the finals of the event. So give me Shelby Rogers turning 30 years old this October. Let's get one more title before she turns 30. This could be a fun run for her this week. Uh, and we'll keep our eye on the action there. Last piece of that parlay, though, because Sinego minus 300, Rogers minus 290. You just do the two of them. It gets kind of poo-poo. I'll take the weapons of Teresa Martinsova. I just think she's going to be dictating the matches on her racket as she takes on Miriam Bjorklund. And all due respect to Bjorklund, uh, who can certainly grind and is going to ask some questions of Martinsova. I always think Martinsova is sneaky good, especially when it comes to indoor hardcourt tennis, which I believe she will be playing this week as she is a part of that. Uh, event in Estonia uh, as opposed to, yeah, shout out to me. She is in Tallinn this week and she is not uh, playing on the clay courts of Parma. I just think indoor hardcourt conditions Martin Sova's ability to blitz through the ball. I'll take her over the grinding nature of Miriam Bjorklund, even if the 24-year-old has played some better ball here 
in 2022. You throw the three of them together, Sinego, Rogers, Martin, Sova, plus 146 odds for that three-person money line parlay. Again, I don't feel great about it, but who's screwing that one up? You know, if anything, I probably say Martin Sova screws it up. I guess Shelby has had some bad days at the office. You could say, is there going to be fatigue for Lorenzo Sinego? But what I like about this three-person money line parlay is all of them are power tennis players, and all of them are playing opponents whose styles of play dictate that these rackets will be on our three players. Uh, this matches will be on our three picks racket. So it just feels like if Sinego plays well, he will win. And even if he doesn't, he will still have a chance. If Rogers plays well, she will win. If Martin Sova plays well, she will win. Now, again, sounds very good in theory. We'll have to see how it plays out in practicality. But I'll go Sinego, Rogers, Martin Sova, three-person money line parlay, plus 146, quarter of a unit to win 0.36 as well on that. Those are your three aces of the day. Now, quickly, let's jump around, look at the board. What do we have coming over the next 24 hours? Some money line underdogs I've got my eyes on. Meyer Sharif, plus 120 against Anna Bondar. Does Bondar do anything definitively better than Sharif? No. I think that match is a grind. I think it's over two and a half sets. And if you believe me, take the plus 130 option available to you. I also like Waltert over Zidancic. I think Waltert's played some pretty good ball of late. I believe she lost quarterfinals last week. I want to say at the 125K in Budapest, made the finals maybe the week before that. Again, you want to take the over in that match. I'm not going to blame you. Plus 130 over two and a half sets. But I like Walter as an underdog. I like Parise's Diaz, plus 155 over Cochiretto. Again, more than anything else, I see that match go in the distance. What's the definitive weapon in that match? Your guess is as good as mine. And then how about Jensen Sung, plus 165 as he takes on Chris O'Connell in Seoul. O'Connell had to go from San Diego to South, uh, to South Korea. I don't care if you have a day or 48 hours to make that transition. It's a brutal transition to make. And so I think this is a schedule loss for O'Connell. Give me Sung plus 165. But again, you want to take the over two and a half sets. I can't blame you there. A lot of good tennis I'm staying away from. Overall on the board, though, you look on the men's side in particular, some juicy, juicy matchups. J.J. Wolf, Emil Rusevori, two power-hitting big forehand players. Rusevori minus 205 tomorrow. J.J. Wolf uh, plus 160. That's a pick em. And uh, did they play... I want to say they did play at Cincinnati. Rusevori ultimately either a three-set win or a straight, tight straight-set win over Wolf. But who who's hitting the forehand better on that day? I think Rusevori moves a little bit better. I think he's a little bit more fluid on his backhand wing. But that match is a pick to me. You know, Karatsev should beat Echeverry, but the moment you say should with Karatsev, that's when the loss typically comes. Andahar, Montiero, two clay court guys, a little bit of fish out of water over in Tel Aviv, but I think those matchups are enjoyable. I think the sneaky best match of the day, probably Holgeruna versus Timmy Van Reithoven. TVR, who of course was the sensation of the grass court season, you know, his big serving, Big forehand, indoor hard courts of Bulgaria, taking on a Holger Runa, who certainly likes to be six feet behind the baseline, baseline as his most comfortable modus operandi. Shout out to that term. Um, but, I mean, again, that's a stay away from me for the over two and a half set because Runa has gotten better. And you just feel like TVR on a quicker surface. I, I know the backhand held up on grass courts, but that backhand return. Nishkeet as my people like to say. And by the way, L'Shana Tova, Happy New Year to all of our Jewish listeners. Hope you are ringing in the new year in the right way. 
I mean, that's a great matchup. Dan Evans versus Yoshihito Nishioka. I don't think I have to sell that one to you in Seoul. That one's fun. Nicolas Yari, big serve, big forehand. His 27th birthday also coming up. Can he knock out the lefty? Ryan Penniston, another one of those grass court sensations. That's fun. Mackie McDonald really should beat Pedro Martinez in Seoul tomorrow, but whether he will or not may be a different story entirely. And then just got to give one more shout out to the action happening in Tallinn. There are some very good matches tomorrow. Ann Lee versus Claire Liu. Battle of Young Americans. I think that's a Junior Slam final rematch that Claire Liu won. I want to say 2018. Junior Wimbledon. Keep it. I'll, I'll go look. I'll go look that up at, at Al Greskin. I'm pretty sure I'm right about that one. How about the big hitting Wang Shiyu? Talented Chinese 21-year-old taking on Annette Conteve. Conteve desperate for a win. It feels like the paths of her and Maria Sakari are intertwined. And Sakari lost a puzzling first set in her round one today in Parma. Not going to shock me at all if Conteve drops a first set in that matchup against Wang Shiyu. You've also got Wang Shinyu. Talented Chinese 21-year-old taking on Beatrice Haddad Maya. That match could be a sneaky three-setter. And then how healthy is Jill Teichman? Minus 220 against Laura Siegemann tomorrow. Siegemann playing well enough that, look, Teichman, if she's not healthy, this is the match she loses four and five, even though she can then go the next week and beat Conteve Sakari, you know, all these remarkable top 10 players back to back to back when she's playing her best tennis. Teichman top five in terms of top 20 wins on this 2022 season on the WTA Tour. But again, with that in mind, that's your look at the next 24 hours in the pro tennis world. It's going to get exciting and we're excited to watch it all. And of course, recap it all for all of you listeners. If you miss anything, you can find those recaps over on our mini break podcast feed. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout out as well to our friends at DraftKings. Appreciate their support, allowing us to provide these previews and help make sense of what is always a chaotic professional tennis calendar with that said again your aces of the day for the next 24 hours give me Botic van de Sinschkulp minus three and a half games over Chow Sosa minus 140 half a unit to win 0.35 give me a Nehemiah Zanevska money line parlay plus 142 quarter of a unit to win 0.35 and then we're going big folks Sinego Rogers Martin Sova three person money line parlay plus 146 quarter of a unit to win 0.36 in return. Those are your GSP aces of the day. Of course, a shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff. Again, the job he does making all of this content possible. With that said, for said super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings. And from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. 